Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Yes, indeed, and I am joined this morning by our friend from the University of Minnesota, Julie Weisenhorn. Julie, good morning. Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I hope you uh, are as well. And uh, things are greening up, by golly. Even my dusty lawn is uh, greening up a little (laughs) bit. Not everywhere. but definitely. The trees are all opening up. The lawns are turning green. The plants are coming up. And for those of you with springtime allergies, I know what you're going yeah, through. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, I should alert our listeners to, right away because, as you know, Julie, we always get very busy, especially during the growing yes. season here on our Smart Garden Show. But if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, 
Uh, you want to talk with Julie, you want to send Julie a text. Either way, here's the number, 651-461-9226. I know we will be getting a lot of questions uh, about uh, lawns today uh, and gardens, but uh, specifically, mm-hmm. let's kind of, uh, for those that don't know, uh, you and your colleagues have put uh, such a great amount of work into the uh, U of M website, the extension website. Uh, specifically, just I'm asking about the lawn part. part. If we want to you know, learn about a program, how we can successfully take care of our yards, tell us about that section of, uh, of the extension website. Yeah, absolutely. So Yard and Garden is our website in, within the extension uh, main website. So it's extension.umn.edu. And we have, uh, we have it sectioned off into many, many different topics. So we have fruits and flowers, native plants, vegetables, trees and shrubs, growing guides, growing safe food, how to harvest your, using your harvest, uh, flowers for pollinators, for all the pollinator fans, managing soil and nutrients. And as you mentioned, we also have lawn care. And lawn care includes uh, planting and growing and fertilizing even watering and dethatching, repairing lawns. And we have a lawn care calendar for Minnesota lawns. So you can go to that site at extension.umn.edu. And uh, just in the search box, just type in yard and garden or lawns, and you will get to that link right away and to that web page. Excellent. Yeah, and it, it, it is excellent. I used it myself a lot. Oh, I see we're already getting a bunch of uh, phone calls, Julie. Uh, Ron is one of them, calling in from Minneapolis, I believe, this morning. Ron, you're on CCO with Julie. Good morning. Uh, I've got, I'm going to grow some grass seed. It looks like it's going to be a good weekend to start that. Um, But my grass seed has been kept. I can buy new stuff, but I've got some in my detached garage. So it was in the cold all winter. Is that still possible to use that seed? Yeah, that's actually a good way to store seed is in cold. Uh, It prevents it from germinating. It also prevents it from drying out. And so as long as it's been in a sealed container, like a plastic container or a plastic bag that's been zipped or or fastened tightly for some reason, uh, it should be just fine to use. Uh, If you find that it's not germinating, you may want to just overseed with some fresh seed. So when you ask the turf uh, experts, they do say you pay, you get what you pay for in turf grass seeds. So you want to really choose seed that's a good quality. But your seed sounds like it'll be just fine. I'd give it a shot. Julie, the last few weeks we've been getting, maybe even last year or two, uh, more comments or questions about jumping worms and how to take care. What are they and what's the deal? How do we deal with those? So jumping worms are, uh, well, to be honest, there are, and, and kind of back up a little bit, there are no native worms within Minnesota. Within, uh, they all came from somewhere else. And so even our favorite little friendly earthworms that help to break up compacted soil and uh, add, you know, kind of mix up soil, uh, Darwin called them the, I think he called them the living plows or something like that. Oh. <laughs> um But, yeah, so there are no native earthworms within Minnesota. Jumping worms, though, have become uh, kind of reached the forefront of invasive species within Minnesota because they live in the duff layer. They live just below the surface of the soil, and they will will eat the plant roots. So you see, um, uh, for example, if you have some annuals or some young perennials, you may... uh, 
see a whole bunch of uh, your plants dying back. And you might see the soil also turn to kind of a coffee ground consistency. And this is caused by these jumping worms. They are uh, also called snake worms because they, when you touch them, they squirm and squiggle just like snakes. They are not the placid kind of big fat earthworms that we fish with. And so uh, they have kind of wreaked havoc with uh, some of the landscapes in Minnesota, private and and public. At the Arboretum, we are testing them or testing ways to manage them within managed landscapes, so our garden beds, but also out in our natural areas. So our natural areas, uh, we've isolated those. Our uh, professional uh, IPM manager, Aaron Buchholz, has been working with university researchers from forestry and identifying locations where these earth, where these uh, jumping worms are. And you can see the difference in the soil. It's amazing. And there are no young plants growing up in those areas because those worms are eating those roots and killing off the young plants. Um, they've actually been in Minnesota for quite a while. We first heard about um, invasive earthworms in the Chippewa National Forest where we found that our researchers found that the young saplings from maple trees and basswood were not appearing anymore. The, the ground was just leaves. And they found that these worms had big uh, trees and basswood were not appearing anymore. The, the ground was just leaves. And they found that these worms had uh, become invasive in the space. So it's something to, be, uh, to think about. Our industry in Minnesota, thank you very much, industry, is really active in managing these, in dealing with them. And if you want to find out more about jumping worms or life cycles, you can visit a web page that we have in our natural resources section of Extension. Very good. And we'll uh, repeat that scary. Extension website uh, through the uh, through the hour, of course. Yes. Uh, let's grab a call uh, from. Uh, let's see, Jerry is calling in from uh, Minnetonka this morning, I believe. Jerry, thank you. What is your question for Julie? Good morning, Julie. Say, Julie, I have a. I live in Minnetonka. I got a really a lot of trees here, very, very shaded, and I got a lot of black soil here. And sure. I spend a lot of money on, um, you know, like shaded grass seed. It, it doesn't work. So you know what works for me? Oats. The oat seed. Once oats, I get it going, growing oats. Then I, mm-hmm. oats, and I, once I get the oats going, then I add my uh, better seed, and it works. <laughs> Good. That's great. So oats are actually, I, I believe they're one of the cover crops that some of our uh, uh, faculty at the university recommend. And they add, um, they they can be tilled in, I think they can be tilled into, you know, cut and tilled into the soil to add nutrients to the soil as well. Uh, we do have a good webpage on cover crops for people interested in possibly growing those. But that's great. I'm glad to hear that works. Uh, it sounds like those oats are acting kind of like a nursery crop or a mother crop, so they're helping to keep the probably keep the weeds down so that that the grass seed can actually take hold. Uh, there may be some other things going on there too that I'm not aware of, but that's I'm glad to hear that that's working for you. Very good. All right, we're going to take a quick break, Julie. Folks, if you want to call in your lawn or garden question or send a text. In the Twin Cities right now, we're at 57 degrees. Chance of showers today, high near 66 for your Sunday. We'll get up to near 76 with a chance of showers. Right now, 57 on News Talk 830 WCCO.
Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour on CCO. Thanks to good folks like Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, who is answering all of those lawn and garden questions uh, today. And uh, as usual, Julie, I'm looking at the screen here. We have a lot of calls, a lot of texts. Great. So what's new? What else is new? Yeah. Right? Now, uh, the Abiders playing... I wanted to ask you that. I failed to ask you that last week. <laughs> now, Julie is with a group called the Abiders, and I, I saw them with uh, my daughter, Tina. You guys were – was that last Aww. summer already at the Arboretum? I think so, yeah. It was that so was great fun. to see you. It was one of the best surprises. Wow, that was fun. You guys you guys have a good time, and so do the, so do the listeners. Now, when's the next chance to see you? So the uh, the next big gig that we're playing – we're playing a couple private shows between now and then, but um, we'll be at – uh, Surfside Bar and Grill in Mound. Now, this is on June 24th, so this is a couple about a month away Ways or so. Ways off, yeah. Yeah, and, but it's Carl's birthday. Then? Night. Yeah, oh. that night is, yeah, that day is his birthday. So we are going to whoop it up. <laughs> so like, we want to, our goal is to fill the place up. <laughs> well, that's, and br- uh, no presence necessary, just your presence, as they say. That's right? correct. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, well, you got to remind us of that. that yeah, I will. Bring your dancing Definitely. shoes. Definitely. Yeah. Bring your dancing yeah. shoes. It's fun to see you guys. Yeah. Uh, tell you what, back to business. Uh, Ed, I believe, uh, calling in from Worthington this morning, I think. Uh, Ed, what's your question? Uh, on onions and carrots, are they compatible or should they not be planted next to each other? Uh, I think they're compatible. Um, I don't. I don't know of any diff- any reason why you shouldn't plant the rows by each other. Uh, they both require a good uh, a soil amendment, and and you want to really dig that soil down deep so the carrot root can get down uh, easily. Um, yeah, I, not that I know of. I don't know of any reason not to plant them near each other. Okay. Texter Julie wants to know, how do you treat or prevent powdery mildew? There, uh, it affects my tomatoes and squash, they say. Oh, tomatoes. That's interesting. Squash, yeah. Squash and melons, very susceptible. The first thing to do is, is to find a variety of vegetable or plant that's, uh, that's resistant to powdery mildew. We see it on peonies. It's super common. It's a fungal uh, leaf spot disease. And what happens is at this time of year, during the, the when the temperatures are right and the moisture is correct, the powdery mildew spores open up, and then we start to see those uh, spores develop that gray, powdery, patchy look on leaves, on the top surface of leaves later in the summer. So it takes a little while for that to appear, but there's not much to do about it short of. Uh, buying resistant plants or planting resistant seed. And the reason for that is it's just so common that if you were going to try to uh, spray for it, it would be, you'd be spraying all the time because it's everywhere in the, in the environment. What you can do though, is you can uh, water plants at the base of the plants where the roots are, not on the leaves. That helps. Uh, Then also uh, spread your plants, uh, you know, space them appropriately so that they can get a lot of air circulation around them. So don't cram your plants together if they're susceptible to powdery mildew. If your peonies are uh, are becoming very overrun, very grown tightly together, wait until August or end of July, and uh, then you're going to want to divide those and move those. So, um, but yeah, it's it's very common. But we don't re- uh, unless you have a very very. Uh, 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 prized plant, maybe you're growing it for the state fair or something. Um, 
maybe focus any treatment on those plants and you can buy a spray to prevent powdery mildew, but don't try to treat your whole landscape because it's not, not feasible. Okay. Grab another phone call. This one from Dorothy calling in from uh, Minneapolis, I do believe. Uh, Dorothy, good morning. What's your question for Julie? Good morning, Julie. Yes, I called in. uh, Yes, I called in several months ago wondering why my raspberry plants were not doing well. And I was surprised to find out that they're probably at the end of their life. And I would like, and they're like more than 30 years old. So I'm going to dig them up, get some new plants. And I was wondering how to prepare the bed. Should I be adding compost and any other things? Well, you can start with a soil test. That's a great thing to do. It's about $20 and you can collect a sample and send it into our University of Minnesota soil testing lab. They have a great uh, description of how to take a good soil sample and how to package it up. And there's a form that you fill out, really easy to do. And then you can just send it along with a check to them. And uh, you can find the link to the soil testing lab on our extension yard and garden page. So that is the first step. And then second of all, uh, you want to be sure that your raspberries are planted in a very sunny location and that when you do get the plants that you space them apart so they can get enough circulation of air and get enough light to all parts of the plant. So don't plant them too close together. Look for varieties that are from our uh, that are developed by the University of Minnesota or that are recommended by the U and we have a great fruits page on our extension yard and garden webpage and that gives you some varieties that are really good uh, and have been proven to be long-lived and good producers here in Minnesota. My favorite one is one of the oldest varieties called Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M. It's a university release from, I think, I want to say 1922, and it is a great plant. I have grown it uh, before. I don't have any right now, but uh, but it's a really good plant. And uh, and. I would say that that start with that soil test, and uh, they'll give you recommendations how to prepare your soil. All right. I know we have to break here momentarily, but I uh, missed uh, a uh, text that came in hours ago. People are oh wow, to, yeah. <laughs> and I and I think I know the answer to <laughs> Watching this. Watching the coronation <laughs> <laughs> had some stumps ground down. This listener says three inches below the grade, filled with good soil, planted grass seed. Grass is always dead after the snow melts in the spring. Nothing will grow. Any ideas? Well, if you have a stump ground, don't you usually go deeper than three inches? Yeah, I would think so. Um, three inches is not very much soil, even for uh, grass plants. We want those grass roots to grow nice and deep. Um, I'm guessing that it's too shallow and that probably the combination of the carbon from the degrading stump is kind of sucking up all the nitrogen. That's uh, We want to balance the carbon and nitrogen ratio and not have too much carbon, uh, but enough to, because uh, it, it will absorb up and, and kind of use up the nitrogen that's in the soil. So I think I... Uh, you need to grind that stump further down or do something different in that space like plant put a container on top of it that's what I would do or you could build a raised bed there a planting and and grow you know something grow vegetables there or something put it over that stump and and then after that stump has broken down sufficiently then you could probably put lawn over that 
Okay. Uh, you know, I was going to break and f- look at that forecast, which we will, but Tom and New Hope has been hanging on forever, and I want to maybe we can get his question okay. answered. Tom, Tom, thanks for waiting. What is your question, please? Maybe he didn't wait. Mm, maybe he. <laughs> oh, I'll wait tell you what. Longer. We'll 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 do we'll take this break. Maybe uh, Tom will call us back unless uh, he is good. still on the line. We'll we'll do this. We'll uh, take a break for weather. Be right back. Have another half hour or so of the show to go. It's called Smart Garden here. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Here on News Talk eight three zero. This is WCCO. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. (laughs) Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Nothing like live radio, I always say. <laughs> uh, it's 8.35 and, uh, what did I say, 57 degrees. If you're just joining us, thanks for doing so. Uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is answering those lawn or garden questions today at 651-461-9226. Well, you know, as you know, Julie, we always love to talk about the Arboretum. Yes. Uh, and and a, a texter wanted to know if tulips and what else is blooming. Oh, I bet there's goodness. a lot of stuff blooming at the Arboretum. Yeah, so at the Arboretum site, which is arb, A-R-B, dot U-M-N, dot E-D-U, they have a great, uh, right on the homepage, it says garden highlights. And the big highlight right now are the magnolias. So they are in full bloom. They are gorgeous. Absolutely lovely. Uh, Some of our bloodroot and other native plants are blooming. The helleborus, which is the Lenten rose, are blooming. Daffodils are blooming. Uh, tulips are blooming. They're starting to bloom. Uh, some of the uh, tulip species, uh, Tulipa gregii, uh, they show a picture of the orange Toronto uh, tulip coming up. We have a few scattered tulips, I think, that are blooming in the big display at the annual. That's at the intersection of Three Mile Drive, the T in the road there where you turn to get onto the drive. That's the big display. And I think they're starting to open up. I would say this week, with the weather that we're going to have, we will see a huge flush of that those plants. But also, be sure to when you're driving around, be sure to go to the bog. We've got uh, some of the iris versicolor, purple flame that's blooming, some of the pulsatilla, which is the uh, American pasc flower blooming. So just like awesome, really great plants, early season plants, and these are good ideas for your yard as you're looking at possibly increasing the time of bloom in your yard. So we want to have as much blooming as possible from early in the spring to late in the fall. And part of that reason is for us, of course, as gardeners, but also for pollinators that emerge early. I'm already seeing bees on my blood root that's uh, blooming on the south side of my house. So they are out there, our native bees, and we want to be planting plants that they will enjoy and that they'll be able to forage on. Yes. I think... Uh, maybe you would agree that we're seeing and hearing more as we do the show every week uh, over the years that people are are into that whole idea more than ever. Right. I think what we're uh, hopefully doing in extension and through organizations like the Xerxes Society and uh, other pollinator-oriented organizations is we're raising people's awareness of the actions, of the kind of the results of our actions as humans on landscapes. We are 
often trying to control landscapes by putting in certain kinds of plants and and designating certain areas for lawns and planting certain kinds of trees. We should be looking also at how those actions reflect on the greater landscape and then greater environment, and particularly around pollinators. So always keep pollinators in mind as you're choosing plants for this year. As you look around your yard, look for ways that you can create a habitat for pollinators. We have great resources on our website, also on our blab.umn.edu website. This is our actual, these are our researchers who research about pollinators and particularly bees. And it's the native bees that we are most concerned about because more and more of their habitat is being eroded away for different reasons, for development and agriculture. So we want to do what we can to replenish that and to produce and provide uh, landscape plants that are good for pollinators. Here, here. Very good. Let's grab a phone call this morning, Julie. Uh, Cheryl, I believe, was calling in from Minneapolis to ask you a question. Hi, Cheryl. What's your question? Uh, yes, we have new uh, bushes, which after the snow melted, are completely stripped of all their vegetation. And oh, one yeah. was facing west, and then the other, and they've been long-lived plants and flourish. Now they look like they almost have to be dug up. I'm are they sure ever what... are they evergreens? Yes. Okay. So they were obviously browsed on by animals over the winter. Could be rabbits, could be deer. Uh, I'm not sure where your house is located or your landscape if you have deer issues. Uh, we saw lots and lots of critter damage this year. On uh, It's one of the worst years that some of the professionals have said they've ever seen in probably a decade. So... I, what I would do um, is if there are not if there are no live buds on those plants, uh, you may want to remove them. I mean, it's going to take a long time, being that they're evergreens, for them to flush back out and have some kind of great visibility. So it may be time to take them out and just go ahead and replace them with similar plants, or it might be an opportunity to choose something new. Okay. There's a container question, Julie. What type of fertilizer should we use? Should we mix it uh, in all through the potting soil or just sprinkle on top? And different fertilizers maybe for root vegetables versus flowering vegetables. Well, there are different ver- different fertilizers depending on what you're growing. So, yes, there are vegetable fertilizers. There are tomato ver- fertilizers. There's African violet fertilizers. So it depends on what you're putting into those containers and containers are, uh, you have to think about them, they're really basically a, a very enclosed growing area. So there's no, there's no soil or organic matter beyond that container that can replenish and provide nutrients for those plant roots. So you have to do that as the, plant, as the grower. And containers in particular uh, are usually planted with annuals. Not always. Sometimes they're planted with shrubs. Sometimes they're planted with perennials. But usually they're annuals, and those are annual vegetables or herbs, or they could be also annual flowers. So those plants have one season to complete their life cycle. So you really want to put in the fertilizer so that they're growing to their maximum uh, proficiency and performance, and especially if they're producing some kind of edibility factor. So it could be fruit, could be... um, you know, it could be the flowers themselves are edible, and you want them to really produce a lot. So they're going to need that nutrients. But look for, a, look for a, if it's a tomato you're growing, use tomato fertilizer. If it is flowers, use a flower fertilizer. And you might want to think about a, 
uh, slow-release fertilizer. This is a pellet that you put into the soil. You can just put it on the top of the soil and then mix it into the top few inches so that when you water, it dissolves and releases a minute amount of fertilizer every time there's water added to that soil. You could also plan to use a liquid fertilizer when you water your plants. So as you water those containers, you would mix in a little bit of powdery, uh, like a powder or liquid fertilizer, and then water them that way too. So it's your choice, however you want to do that. If you're kind of a hands-off person, I would go with the slow release. And again, just work it into the topsoil. You don't need to put it really deep. And then if you are more particular, you could use a liquid or a granular fertilizer that dissolves, you know, or powder fertilizer that dissolves in water. Okay. Texter wants to know what's the best way to treat grubs. Oh, grubs. <laughs> the eternal question. Um, well, grubs uh, right now are very large in our soil. If you had grub problems before, uh, they're very big. They're at their maximum size. They're, they're going to ev- eventually pupate and emerge as adults, whether it's June bugs or Japanese beetles. So you don't treat grubs until... Those adults have laid the eggs. So right now, if you treat those large grubs, it's not really going to be effective. You want to wait until it's roughly early July or so, and then you treat when the grubs are just hatching and they're young and they're much more susceptible and vulnerable to the, uh, to the treatment. So hold off um, and, uh, and just wait until that July time or so. Uh, you can look in our lawn care section. We have a calendar there. We also have some good graphics that shows the life cycle of these kinds of insects, particularly Japanese beetles. And you'll see that the, the, the treatment time is about midsummer. Okay. Uh, I tell you what, I know we have to break here shortly, but Ken has been waiting there in Blaine to ask you a question, I believe. Maybe he's still there. Ken, uh, are you there? What's your question for Julie? Yes, I have a I have a couple of magnolia questions. Uh, the first one is that uh, I have a neighbor who has a magnolia tree that uh, has white blossoms, and it, it's the tree is just covered with blossoms, and mm-hmm. it hap- it happens every year at the same time, and it just is so magnificent. And I'm trying to find out what the variety is, and no one seems to know. So I'm wondering if if I send in photos to the uh, extension, um, will they uh, be able to help me out on that? And then the other thing is I have uh, extension. Um, Will they uh, be able to help me out on that? And then the other thing is I have uh, have magnolia trees too, but I'm battling uh, magnolia. It's called scab or scale. Scale. And uh, it's just screwing up the trees, and right. uh, has, has the Arboretum ever battled that with all their magnolia trees that they have? And, and, and yeah. Any, anybody could help me. I'm open to help. Okay. Well, um, to answer, let's answer the scale question first. Uh, yes, scale, magnolia scale is a very common problem. Scale are a uh, are a sucking insect and they're protected by kind of an armor so to speak it's a little capsule that covers them a little shell and so they're very hard to reach with any kind of contact spray uh, you can use things like horticultural oil you can use things like uh, insecticidal soap 
and you can try to reach them that way. You want that that product, that chemical to slide underneath that that armor that they have and reach the insect. The insect has to be it has to be in touch with the insect for it to work. So other people will use things like a systemic uh, insecticide, which is put into the ground and watered into the ground, and the plant takes it up through the roots and disperses it throughout the entire plant. It goes into all parts of the plant so that when those magnolia scale su- are, are feeding on the plant, so they're sucking uh, on the branches of the plants, they're taking up that insecticide and that kills them. These are, it's very hard to manage scale. Uh, it is something that if you're going to use that contact uh, insecticide, you have to use it regularly and you have to be applying it where the scale is. Depending on how big your tree is, that can be a challenge. If it's small, maybe not. If you're going to use a systemic, you need to read the label and choose a systemic and and just be concerned and and aware that systemic stay in plants for a long time. It varies depending on uh, how long, the type of systemic, the weather, other factors. Uh, We're not really entirely sure or can put our finger on exactly how long they stay in a plant part. But they may affect beneficial insects that feed on the flowers of that magnolia. Now, right there, they're early blooming plants, the magnolias, so they uh, may not affect um, some of the, they may not infect pollinators after they stop blooming. They're not going to harm it then. So that's kind of the choices there. We do have a web page on magnolia scale, which uh, is on our yard and garden page at extension.umn.edu. I would really recommend that you read about it and understand what it is. That's great. So that's magnolia scale. Okay. Then the, the oh, wait the question on the uh, oh, yes. neighbor's plant is probably I'm gonna I'm gonna say but I'm not 100 percent sure that it might be a royal star magnolia. It's a very floriferous plant and uh, really beautiful blossoms. Uh, I would take a picture. You can send it into Ask Extension. We can try to identify it. But you could also go to the arboretum with your with a picture of it and and look at the different magnolias that are blooming right now and see if you can find out what it is. All right. Taking a quick break here, and we'll get back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show. Just a reminder, in the 9 o'clock hour, after our 9 o'clock news break, get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction. That's next hour. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour on WCCO. Denny Long here along with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M answering those questions. Julie, I know our time is so limited. Yes. Can we do a bit of a lightning Let's round here? With uh, See how many folks uh, we can get <laughs> answers for. Uh, very bumpy lawn. How can I smooth it out? You can rent a roller and smooth it out. <laughs> okay, just or like that. you can that. stomp on it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Earthworms, generally speaking, mm-hmm. is that? Yep, just kinda... roll it. Okay. Uh, transplanted some peonies from another house last summer. Will they bloom, do you think? Probably not. They take a couple of years to get reestablished. Called a company to dethatch my lawn. They said they would not recommend doing that as it removes too much nutrition. They said they would, uh, well, plug it. They, I'm sure the core aeration is what. What is your opinion yep. they want to know? 
Um, dethatching, dethatching isn't very common, actually, in, in a lot of residential lawns in Minnesota. So it's not something that really needs to be done. Uh, aeration is better to do, and you want to do that uh, in the fall. Okay. Hello, Julie. What suggestions do you have for improving the production of blossoms on our star magnolia? Also, if some branches are no longer producing blossoms, will they ever come back or should they be pruned? If they are dead branches, you can prune those off. Uh, Otherwise, wait to see if the leaves emerge. They might just be a younger branch. Uh, And I think that just keeping that plant healthy, watering it, you may want to add some fertilizer to your soil, Um, pruning it to open up. Maybe it's being uh, shaded by something. And you want to just uh, consider maybe doing some pruning on some more mature trees to open up that light. Here's another one. Do daylilies need to be divided to continue to bloom? Yeah, it's a good idea to divide them. When they get to be really, really packed in, uh, dig them up, divide them, give them away, plant them somewhere else, and uh, they'll uh, probably do some better blooming. You know, we talk about voles in previous shows, and the question is, do voles like new sod better than established grass? We live in a new development, and the houses that have had their sod put in last fall seem to have a lot of vole damage compared to other lawns. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if they prefer sod over, I think they like any kind of longer grass, uh, so, uh, or any kind of space where they can tunnel. Um, It's been a bad year for voles all around. It may have just been easier for them to get into that grass because it's pretty dense and thick and delicious. (laughs) Yeah, that that makes sense. Mm -hmm. A little uh, little looser getting around rather than compacted. Uh, Is it too... uh, too early to plant my vegetables outside, listener wants to know. Yeah, hold off just a little bit longer. Uh, it is still in the 50s at night, which is pretty cool. Um, there are some seeds you could start, things like um, some of the lettuces, for example, some of those leafy greens, chard, that kind of thing. But, yeah, just hold off a little bit longer until we have some pretty steady temperatures. It's going to be in the 50s at night, I think, for the next week or so, which is pretty okay. good. So not much longer. This listener's text says, uh, now that my Thanksgiving cactus have dropped their blooms, what's the best location in my house for these plants at this time of year? Thanks for all you do. Uh, They like a cool location. So uh, north-facing window is great, um, which is wonderful because a lot of us have those and not a lot of plants like them. So they also do well in shade. So once it gets warm enough for them to go outside, just put them in kind of a shady spot. And they grow really, really well over the uh, summer. Make sure that the pot that they're in is really well drained. Well, here's one that uh, we're reading, at least I am a little bit, I'm sure you are too. How do you feel about the recent claims, no mow may is a waste of time? It's not a waste of time, but we are promoting slow mow may. In other words, let your grass grow longer, uh, maybe, don't, I, maybe don't mow as often. Uh, and I would recommend taking a look at our website. I think John wrote an article about that in our Yard and Garden News. So that's at extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. And we have Yard and Garden News, which comes out every two weeks. So I would read about that. John's the expert on that. We are just about out of time, Julie. In 20 seconds, get to the Arboretum and get to the university's website, which is what? extension.umn.edu. Remember, if you're going to the Arboretum, you do need a reservation, uh, and that you can get at arb.umn.edu.
Yeah, but get on the website too, extension.umn.edu, and it's it's, it's a great website. And get to the Arboretum for sure. Julie, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. And I know we'll uh, be talking in a couple of weeks or so, right? Sounds good, Denny. Thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. And you too. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Now, coming up next hour, right after the CCO news break, get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis here on News Talk A3OWCCO, where the temperature reading 57 degrees. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.